This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, and this is the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. For Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. There are steps you need to take now to ensure your private information isn't compromised, and we'll talk to an expert in our next segment. Right now, it's a busy day of data, including a report on manufacturing in the Mid-Atlantic region, numbers on sales of existing homes and jobless claims, Let's see what they all signal with the help of Gus Fauché, the chief economist at PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. So, Gus, tell me about the numbers we've heard today and what their significance are. Um, Yeah, so we had some solid numbers today. So uh, the Philadelphia Fed uh, Manufacturing Index actually expanded. Uh, We'd seen decline for a couple of months. The expectation was for a further decline, but we saw an increase there. So that's good news, and it indicates that that manufacturing continues to uh, expand. Uh, We saw a decline in, in initial claims for unemployment insurance. More importantly, we saw a downward revision to claims last week. Uh, And so that indicates that although layoffs have picked up somewhat, uh, businesses are still hiring, uh, unemployed workers are quickly finding new jobs, and the labor market remains solid. And then finally, we uh, saw a decline in existing home sales. That's the sixth month in a row that they've fallen. Uh, We saw a little bit weaker pricing. Um, That's what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. They're trying to slow growth in interest rate-sensitive industries by housing, so they've been raising interest rates. We've seen mortgage rates go up, and that is having an impact on the housing market. So, Gus, based on these statistics and reports that we're hearing, kind of give us an overall report card on how the economy is doing. And if you want, you can grade certain sectors of the economy and in terms of how they're performing. Yeah, so I would say overall that the economy is, is you know, a B minus. Uh, we are continuing to expand. We are adding jobs, but growth is definitely slowing. Uh, consumer spending, I'd probably give that a B plus. Consumers continue to buy. We had good numbers on retail sales. Households are benefiting from lower gasoline prices. Uh, I think the housing sector, you know, let's give that a D. Uh, but on the other hand, that's what the Fed is trying to do. Uh, they want weakness in interest rate sensitive industries like housing. Uh, they want to see home sales decline. They want to see housing starts decline. That's working. The question is, you know, is that weakness going to spread to other sectors? We're not seeing that right now, but certainly the concern is, is that if the Fed continues to raise interest rates, uh, that we could start, start to see more significant slowing in other parts of the economy as well. So Gus, let's say you looked back two or three months ago and you were looking at what was coming up and let's say that you remembered what where you thought the economy would be now at that point and where it is. How would you rate it? How did we do? Did we do better than expected? Are we about where we should be or are we even in fact maybe even a little worse than expected? 
I think we're doing a little bit better than we were expecting. I was expecting to see weaker job growth by this point. Uh, instead, we added more than 500,000 jobs in uh, July, and we saw the unemployment rate fall to 3.5%. That's the lowest unemployment rate that we've had in 50 years. And then we've also seen a big uh, drop in gasoline prices that I wasn't expecting a few months ago. I did expect them to, to see them stabilize, but not decline to this extent. And that's you know good news for consumers because if they're spending less to fill up their tank, that means they have more to spend on other things. So overall, I think the economy is doing perhaps even a little bit better than we would have expected in the, in the late spring. That's Gus Fauché, the chief economist at PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Gus, always great to have you on the program. Coming up, help in establishing your cybersecurity. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Your personal information can be more easily obtained than you might think and by people who you don't necessarily want to be accessing that information. Let's learn how to lower your exposure with Adam Levin, the co-host of the podcast What the Hack with Adam Levin and founder of CyberScout and author of the book Swiped in Nashville. So, Adam, how easily accessible is our personal information and what can we do to make it more secure? First of all, thanks for having me. And secondly, it's incredibly easy. If you really want to get depressed, just Google yourself. You might find there's a lot more out there about you than you thought. So, you know, we always recommend the three M's, which is minimize your risk of exposure, reduce your attackable service, monitor effectively so you know you have a problem and have a plan to manage the damage. But some of the things that you can do like, for instance, do you really need Google and Apple Maps showing people your house and your house number? Uh, one of the things you can do is you can actually request a privacy blur over pictures of your home. Uh, also, if your computer is acting strangely, uh, you can get a task manager on a, a Windows PC or activity monitor on a Mac, and that will give you an overview of everything that's happening on your machine, and then there are ways that you can kill that information. Also, you should lock down your computer, which means a long and strong password or biometrics. Don't kind of leave it open so anybody can get their hands on the information in it, especially if you misplace your laptop or your phone. So biometrics is a good thing. And long and strong password, not password, and not something you share all over the place. Because people don't understand you can have an incredibly strong password but if it's exposed in a breach and you use it everywhere, it's been discovered and you've got a problem. Also, there could be hidden vulnerabilities in your browser. And, you know, extensions are good. Adobe is one and there are many others. But uh, some of them will track you across the Internet. They'll eat up your computer's resources and worse. So Google Chrome, for example, assigns a featured badge to extensions that follow their technical best practice and meet a high standard of user experience and design. Uh, so look, there's going to be information out there about us. I think we have to live with that fact. You know, everyone used to talk about how the most ubiquitous number and dangerous number was your social security number. Think about the fact that it's now your cell phone number and be very careful about who you give it to and under what circumstances. Now, Adam, of course, other than listening to What the Hack with Adam Levin to figure out exactly how to deal with this, a lot of people, you know, some of these suggestions are, are great practical advice, 
Others might be a bit technical for some. For, so that for people who are out there saying, well, that's great, but I don't really know how to do any of that. What's the best way that they can either learn how to do this or get the help they need? So maybe if they can't do it, maybe someone else can help them. Well, you know, there are, uh, first of all, there are companies out there that will help you remove your data from the Internet. Uh, two that come to mind are Reputation.com and Abide. Uh, there are others. So you do research on that because, you know, again, why try to, you know, they kind of like fight the Fed. Why, why try to reinvent the wheel for yourself when there are people out there that can do it for you? Also, there are organizations like the uh, Identity Theft Resource Center, which will give you a practical guide as to how to get things done. Uh, you can also... Uh, Consumer Federation of America has identitytheft.org, idtheft.info, uh, uh, and you know they have uh, lots of practical explanations and suggestions for you as well. Uh, the FTC as well. So you know you're not alone with this. I mean we're all dealing with it, and some things are very technical. You don't want to be too technical, uh, but you know read reviews. And just use common sense also. Just don't click on links. Don't open attachments, long and strong passwords, two-factor authentication. Uh, and that will get you on your way. Also, lie like a superhero. <laughs> when you set up security questions and answers on the Internet, just remember that people post so much information about themselves and their friends. that, And a lot of that ends up as answers to security questions. Uh, so... Um, you know, if your mother's name is Smith, say it's Schwartz. If it's you went to uh, Ridge High, say you went to Sky High. Uh, you just have to be consistent. You don't have to be truthful in these answers. That's great advice, as always, from Adam Levin, the co-host of the podcast What the Hack with Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and author of the book Swiped in Nashville. Up next, Chicago favorite Portello's has ambitious plans for expansion. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The CEO of Portillo's is revealing more about the locally-based restaurant chain's plans to expand. And let's talk about that with Izzy Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, also known as the restaurant coach here in Chicago. So, Izzy, I guess it's think warm weather when Portillo's is talking about its expansion plans. Where is it thinking about expanding and why? Well, they, uh, they are looking at Florida, Arizona, Texas uh, as their next, uh, you know, big investments. So that, that's where they're going. None of them sound like the city of Chicago. No, is that because a lot of Chicagoans and Illinoisans are moving to that area? Or do they see these states as, you know, this is a, these are good fits for our business model? Well, I think it's both. I think, you know, we're seeing a, a big decline in what's going on in Chicago. Our, our city is, is shrinking. Uh, and uh, if you look at what they're doing, Florida, Arizona, Texas, uh, not only are they, they growth states, but here's three states that during the pandemic was very good to business. Uh, and those businesses, you know, flourished. I think it's a confidence issue uh, in these states in a number of different ways versus Illinois. And what is it particularly about these states that are beneficial to a company like Portillo's and its business model and, and, and you know, the, the, the way it serves food and its way of doing business? Why are these states very attractive to a company like Portillo's? 
Well, they are growing, but that's an interesting question. I think one of the reasons, if we look at a number, you look at McDonald's and, and some Starbucks, they're, they're actually downsizing the interior uh, and having more drive-through, more pickup, more delivery, uh, those kind of options. But Florida, Arizona, Texas, uh, they have more people dining in restaurants than we do in the Midwest. I, again, people... Uh, and, that, and that's a big part of the Portillo's model. They build, they build these big, beautiful restaurants. They have a great product. They want people to come in, sit, and enjoy. Uh, Portillo's does not want to shrink their uh, footprint. They want people to enjoy the restaurant as it was meant to be. And here are three states that are allowing them to really do that. That's Izzy Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, also known as the restaurant coach here in Chicago. Still ahead on Technology Thursday, Amazon reportedly testing an app designed to spark sales of products reviewed on its site. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And the Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. And for Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A Chicago police sergeant is charged with aggravated battery for an incident involving a teenager in the near northwest suburbs. Government doctors offer strategies to battle the spread of monkeypox. On Technology Thursday, Amazon looks to spur sales with an app that's being described as similar to TikTok. A strong dollar isn't necessarily the signal of a bear market. On Wall Street, the Dow's down 95. The S&P 500's up three, and the Nasdaq's ahead by 30 points. AccuWeather says we'll head up to 83 this afternoon under mostly sunny skies, down to 65 tonight under mostly clear skies, up to 85 tomorrow with patchy clouds and some sun. Right now it's mostly sunny and 77 at O'Hare at 1231. A Chicago police sergeant has been charged with aggravated battery after allegedly beating a 14-year-old boy he thought was stealing his son's bicycle. It happened outside a Starbucks in Park Ridge July 1st when the sergeant was off duty. 49-year-old Michael Vitellaro, who turned himself in to Park Ridge Police this morning, also faces a count of official misconduct. The boy's mother says they believe the incident was racially motivated. Her son is of Puerto Rican descent and Vitellaro is white. The Centers for Disease Control is calling for action with more than 13,000 cases of monkeypox now reported in the U.S. Amid continued complaints that the vaccine for monkeypox can be tough to find, the administration says it'll make more than 1.8 million doses available for states to order next week. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says extra shots will be sent to cities hosting large LGBTQ events, such as the Southern Decadence Festival in New Orleans next month. But Lewinsky cautions one dose is not enough. Receiving the vaccine at these events will not provide protection at the event itself. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, Washington. It's 1232. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, markets are mixed, and we'll find out why from Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk in Chicago. So, Michael, right now, not a lot of movement on the street. What's going on and why? Market is kind of treading water here today after a pretty big down day yesterday. We've had some retail earnings that weren't so great, some earnings from Cisco that were pretty good. So it's kind of a mixed bag, and there's some big moves in individual stocks, but the market as a whole is pretty much flat. 
And is that because we've gotten so much data that has come in, or is it just investors are kind of sitting back and kind of looking and saying, okay, where do we go from here? Well, we had the big move yesterday down, and uh, that was based on some some bad retail um, earnings numbers. So today, it was more of a mixed bag, so we have a mixed bag in the, on the, on the uh, street as well. So S&P has been basically up and down uh, from the flat line very little and just treading water and, and waiting for more data. But, you know, there's been bad news in, in, in retail, and that's, that's what's been concerning the market. Uh, even Kohl's this morning came out with some shocking um, guidance. I mean, they, they, they missed on sales, but they lowered their earnings per share guidance from, for, from 645 to 685 a share to 280 to 320. I mean, that's shocking. I mean, you don't almost never see someone lower their guidance by less than half. So obviously Americans are pulling back on their spending in certain retail outlets, and Kohl's is one of them. So the key is to find the ones that aren't having that problem, like Walmart and Amazon. Um, But Kohl's, Target, a lot of these uh, um, Bed Bath & Beyond, a lot of these other retailers that don't have a great online presence and don't have a great um, in-store experience are having problems. So is it basically that unless you have either of those at this point, things are just not looking promising. There just isn't really a place for the traditional brick-and-mortar retailer these days. You've got to have either that online presence that's essential or, you know, just that that other aspect that just makes you competitive in this market. I mean, is that Kohl's problem, for example? Are they just not uh, present enough online and and don't have those other things? Are they too dependent on on the brick-and-mortar? Well, have you ever heard anyone say to you, hey, I'll see you later, i got to stop at Kohl's? I mean, I'm just... (laughs) No, I I have to admit, no. (laughs) So that's the problem. And, and, uh, you know, whereas Walmart and and some of these other places are still hanging in there. So, yeah, you're seeing definitely uh, a bifurcated market where where the the winners are keeping on winning and the losers are just getting worse. And I think that's going to continue. So, you you know, you bet on the ones that have solid footing with with, uh, their customers and you sell the other ones. So that's basically the the story in retail right now, and and I don't think that's going to stop. Michael, whether you want to focus on retail specifically or you can broaden if you want, based on what we're seeing, what we're hearing today, what the numbers have come out and just the general trends, what are your recommendations? What are some things that people should either really look at or maybe avoid? So we've had a 20% um, rise in the S&P from the June lows. So here at MJP Capital, we've lowered our, our long exposure because we do think fair value in the S&P is, is here or a bit lower, quite honestly, and will only rise if inflation can be handled. And we haven't seen the signs that it's going to be yet, so we're cautious here. We would suggest to investors that they take uh, some profits in some of their longs because we've had a great run-up here. I think it's prudent right now to, 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 to trim the longs and wait for more data. Um, so that's what we're doing here at MJP Capital, and we would suggest to investors they do the same. That's Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital. So make sure that you check him out and his book, Calculated Risk. And, of course, Michael's from here in Chicago. Up next on Technology Thursday, Amazon explores a 
TikTok-like app that's designed to spur sales. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, sponsored by Spartan Safe and the site TechCrunch, reporting that Amazon is testing a new app that's designed to drive sales on its site. And let's find out more from Paul Hockman, the president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So, Paul, I guess Amazon is thinking maybe something like TikTok might add to the cha-ching. Tell us about it. <laughs> I like the alliteration, and the answer is yes. Um, I will say that I'd put it slightly differently, which is to say that everybody these days, meaning the last six to 12 months, is deathly afraid of TikTok. In other words, TikTok is capturing tons of eyeballs, uh, lots of them younger, lots of them shoppers. And what Amazon, like everybody else, because Facebook slash Meta is also trying to compete on this scale. But basically what Amazon has decided is, look, if everybody, meaning their customer demo or desired customer demo, is fascinated by TikTok videos, why don't we insert somehow a video, a personal and personally produced video into the shopping experience? So imagine you are looking at Amazon shopping app. You're checking out some socks. Winter is coming, even though it feels hot right now in August. You're thinking, I want some cushy socks. Well, you go on there looking for cushy socks, but now, it, again, this is being tested, but there's like a little diamond icon at the bottom of the shopping app as tested, and up comes customer-generated, user-generated content of somebody maybe dancing around in their socks or a still image of them wearing it and saying, I love these socks. And then the, the customer taps on that image, and within that video or still image, video being the TikTok similarity, they can go buy that pair of socks right away. The result is that the customers that are generating this content are helping Amazon sell products. So this is a little different than what you normally see, which is like, well, I'm opening the box here and it seems to, well, it's not working quite (laughs) right. I mean, this is, is it more something? And are customers and sellers doing this, making the videos like TikToks, making them entertaining and uh, energetic and fun as opposed to the you know product demo videos that you normally see? Well, that's right. First of all, answer is yes. And I loved your depiction, or at least your portrayal of that. Because uh, <laughs> I've know, watched a lot of, of them on Amazon. Very, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it was still you, Jim. I thought it was somebody else. But anyway, yes, um, the unboxing videos is what those are called. They are, believe it or not, that's a category that people love. I don't know why, but it's fascinating. It's sort of like why people slow down to look at a construction site. They just want to see work getting done. I don't know, but there it is. In this situation, what Amazon has certainly found in spades is that customer-generated reviews are highly powerful, and in, and um, influencers are making literally hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of dollars saying, hey, here are the five things I love on Amazon, creating a link, and because of an affiliate program, they get a commission. So the point is that Customer-generated content is highly influential. Reviews are highly influential. Amazon realizes this, and if they cross that influencer, uh, you know, sort of impulse and and trend with the TikTok trend, they think they have a winner. We'll see if it rolls out, but that's what's being tested. Paul, I have to ask you, you know, with Instagram and others and and people trying to recapture the lightning in the bottle with TikTok in their own way, are, are companies in some ways too focused on trying to be like TikTok? Are they, and because of that, maybe they're either not succeeding at it or they're shifting away from the focus that maybe they should have in some other area where they are strong and and could do well. I mean, are we too focused on TikTok in some cases? I think the short answer is, of course. If you look where, you know, the the gold rush in 18... 
49, hence the name 49ers, the, the football team. The Gold Rush in 49 brought lots of people out to, to the San Francisco and California area, um, all of whom thought, well, if there's a gold rush going on, I want to be part of it. Now, there were some unintended consequences, some of them very good industries that grew up, including the railroad, around that impulse, around that trend. Okay, So TikTok is another gold, golden trend as far as Amazon and all the other competitors, including Facebook, are concerned. So they want to duplicate it. I think what Amazon is doing smart, again, this is my, my impression, what they're doing well is understanding the TikTok popularity and crossing that quickly with their area of expertise. Namely, how do you get folks who are interested in a product to buy? So they're not just making entertainment stuff like TikTok is. They're actually making something that enhances shopping. At least that's their point of view. That's Paul Hockman, the president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show out of Cambridge, Mass. Paul, always a pleasure to talk with you. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, weighing the impact of a stronger dollar on financial markets. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, we have a strong dollar, and there are probably some good things and bad things about that, so let's go over them as we're joined by Mark Holbert, who is the financial columnist for the Wall Street Journal and investment columnist, as well as at Barron's and MarketWatch.com. So, Mark, what are the good and bad sides of having a strong dollar? Well, I want to say right off the bat that I appreciate you're asking the question about both of the good and the bad, because what a lot of people do on Wall Street, they love to tell stories as to try to explain what's going on. And so they may focus only on one half of the story and thereby miss the other half, which often balances out that story. It means the dollar doesn't have as much significance as people think. So what are the good? Well, it turns out that if you have a strong dollar and you have overseas operations and you need to pay for supplies and labor in in foreign currency, the stronger dollar means you can go further in terms of producing your goods. The bad is just the opposite of that, which is that when people overseas buy your goods in local currency, it's going to mean uh, it, it's, uh, it's not going to mean as much when it finally gets translated back into dollars. And what a lot of people right now are doing is saying, well, the strong dollar is going to be bad for the stock market because it means that our foreign sales aren't going to be worth as much. And I uh, I tend to dismiss that as a general comment. It may be true for individual companies, but generally, most companies have a good balance between both their overseas operations and their overseas sales, such that a strong dollar or a weak dollar ends up balancing out having some both good and bad aspects. So, Mark, is that, as you say, it's something where, I mean, is there a point in which the dollar is too strong? Is there a point at which the dollar is too weak? I mean, obviously, you don't necessarily want one or the other, do you? I mean, are we at a point where maybe we need to see more balance in the dollar in relation to other currencies? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I'm recalling back one of the very early days of President Trump's administration where there was a story that he called uh, one of his economic advisors at two in the morning trying to figure out, does he should he be in favor of a stronger dollar or a weaker dollar? And I think the answer was, that, well, who knows? I mean, it turns out that, yes, theoretically, you can have too strong or too weak of, of a currency, um, but uh, – it's incredibly difficult to put your finger on it. I mean, right, what's happening right now is a lot of money's coming into the dollar because interest rates in this country are higher than in uh, a lot of our, uh, our trading partners. So, for example, some countries where the government rates on the government bonds are actually negative. So why would somebody put their money in a negative yielding bond when they can put it in, the, in a U.S. bond that has a positive yield, even if the interest rate still is not overwhelmingly high. And so it attracts a lot of money. And 
over time, the markets will adjust if too much money is coming into this country, into government bonds, and that will tend to put interest rates and make it, those interest rates go lower. That's Mark Holbert, the investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com out of Washington. Mark, always great insight. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 